0: Well, today we start a brand new series. We finished Rescue uh, last week, where in the Old Testament we looked at these amazing stories of people who were in a moment of desperate need, in a season in their life when they desperately needed help and God came to their rescue. And uh, I absolutely loved that series, it was so encouraging. But one of the things that I think is really important for us to understand is also not just the concept of God acting in our lives, but how specifically we need to be involved in that. And so to look a little bit more at, for this season, for this series, some of the things that Jesus teaches us to do, because... You don't just come here each week hoping to find out what Joel thinks about stuff, right? That we come to learn what Jesus says about stuff. That's why we get into his word. Because as we live in this ever changing world where things are shifting like sinking sand, we want to build our lives on the firm foundation of the Word of God. Nous avons besoin de ce livre. Uh, Donc chaque dimanche, je pose cette question. Every Sunday, that's why we ask this question. Are you ready for the question? Here we go. Are you ready to study God's Word today? Okay. Now, I want to encourage you to get your Bible open. If you did not bring a Bible, you can use your phone. Uh, if you don't even have a Bible app on your phone, just look it up on the internet. Just put in Matthew 6, Matthew 6, and find the whole chapter. Yes, I'm going to have it on the screen today, but I want you to see, because I'm not here just to teach the Bible. I'm here to teach you how to use the Bible, okay, for yourself. And so go ahead, find Matthew chapter 6, and to get this series started, we are going to see what Jesus says about prayer. And here in Matthew chapter 6, the disciples have been watching Jesus, and they've noticed something. They have noticed that Jesus has a power when he prays that is different than how they pray. And they can't quite figure it out. What is the difference between Jesus and how he prays and how we pray? And so here in Matthew chapter 6, the disciples have asked Jesus, tell us, will you, how do we pray like you do? And in the entirety of Matthew chapter 6, Jesus just gives us this amazing teaching on prayer. That I think is is the most formational, helpful teaching in one chapter that you find anywhere in all of Scripture related to the issue of prayer. And that's why starting in verse 9, we find what is called the Lord's Prayer. Now, before we get into the Lord's Prayer, and we are going to break this down line by line, and I'll explain all that in just a minute. But before we do, Jesus also gives some guidelines for us. And the first is, number one... That prayer, this is not a magic formula that Jesus gives us, the Lord's prayer. Some people think that prayer should be like a magic potion, right? Like if I can just say the right words and the incantations and if I just figure out how to say the right things and do this and that, then God will have to do what I tell him to do. But that is not how prayer works. And here in Matthew chapter six, verse seven, Jesus says, when you pray, do not keep babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. And so some people think that you know, that when you pray that you, you, know, you have to bow on your knees a certain way, and you have to put your hands like a little steeple in order for it to count. And, if you don't close your eyes then God can't hear you and 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 we have all these things that we build into our ideas Of prayer, and they did too. They had pagan means someone simply who does not believe in the God of the Bible, and they had all different kinds of gods and rituals in the time of the New Testament, and and they had their own prayer rituals to their gods. And Jesus wants us to understand that prayer is not just about a ritual. And so, what He gives us is prayer as a pattern. Number two, this is a pattern to be followed. This prayer is kind of like an outline where Jesus gives us about five or six different elements that are part of a powerful prayer. And so what you will discover is that real prayer warriors, people who know how to break into the heavenlies, usually pray into these five or six things that we look at in the Lord's Prayer. Because everything we need is found here in this outline for prayer. And before we get into it, one more thing in the Lord's Prayer. Notice that the focus is on us instead of me. This is hugely significant. That I think in many ways we do not realize when we look in Scripture because we read it through Western eyes. We live in Western culture here in North America, in Canada, in the United States, and so we live in a very individualistic culture. We think very much about self-expression and, and, you know, what, what suits me, and it's all about me personally and how I feel and what I need and what I want. And so we tend to see religion in our culture as a private thing, just between you and God. And I'll hear many Christians who will say something like this. I hear it all the time. Oh, Christianity is just a personal relationship with Jesus. It's not about church or, any, or anybody else. It's just between me and Jesus. Listen, that is wrong. That is not what the Bible says. That actually, salvation in Scripture is a corporate and communal thing. Look at First at Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 to 15. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, well, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, I don't need to be part of the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. See, you've got a family when you become a Christian, whether you want it or not. (laughs) The family of God, and so don't miss this fact. This is really, really important. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus does not say, my Father in heaven, he says, our Father in heaven. He doesn't say, give me my daily bread, he says, give us our daily bread. He doesn't say, deliver me from temptation, he says, deliver us from temptation. And so, nobody was designed to follow Jesus alone. And prayer is not just about you. It's not just about me. It's about us as a church. That's why Tuesday mornings here at the church have become like oxygen for my soul. I mentioned last week that October was a really, really hard month. And it seems like Satan is attacking all over the place. I know people who are hurting, marriages that are struggling, uh, sickness and cancer and disease, and it is overwhelming. And so every Tuesday morning, a group of people, I mean, anybody's welcome to come, but a group of people crawl out of bed every Tuesday morning and come here to meet at the church at 7 a.m. for prayer. And what's amazing is in these hardest of times, God's presence has been the sweetest. God has been so gracious showing up and giving revelation. And and there are times when I've walked in on Tuesday morning feeling empty and I walk out full of the Spirit of God with courage, with a fresh word from the Lord. In fact, this last month, I feel like, The the teaching on Sundays has been so powerful, not because of anything about me, but because literally I have walked away from Tuesday morning prayer time with specific words that I heard from the Lord and just walked in here and shared with you on Sundays. Because, listen, there is power when God's people get together to pray, and how we pray is guided by these five or six elements in the Lord's Prayer. By the way, we are a church of small groups. And so you can use the Lord's Prayer as a guide, just like I'm going to teach you today, for prayer in your small groups as well. And I know, I know sometimes, like prayer in small groups can be awkward, right? Because we have not been taught to pray We've not been taught, and because of that, we're intimidated, we're scared to pray out loud with other Christians. Well, today, I wanna teach you some things to break down that fear so that you know how to pray. Okay, are you ready? Let's dive into it. We're gonna read this out loud together. In Matthew chapter six, beginning in verse nine, Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. Here we go, let's read it together. Our Father who is in heaven, Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then this last part was actually added by Christians later as a conclusion to the prayer, which is very good, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Okay, now that you've got it, let's read it again. This time, let's read it with strength, okay? Let's just let let the room rumble with your faith. Here we go. This is how you should pray. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Okay, now let's get into it. Let's break it down line by line to see these five or six elements of powerful prayer. And right at the very top, you see that Jesus tells us who we pray to. And obviously, we pray to God, right? But the Bible reveals God as a trinity Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so, among the three persons of the trinity, who does Jesus pray to? You see the answer. Our prayers are directed to the Father. And so, listen, that doesn't mean that you can't talk to the Holy Spirit. That doesn't mean that you can't cry out to Jesus. But if you want to pray as Jesus taught us to pray, then the person you pray to is the Father. And, and, and wh- what gives us that right? Right? What gives us the authority to come to the Father? We come to the Father in the blood of Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus who died on the cross to take the punishment for our sins. And so we come to the Father in the name and authority of Jesus. That is where our power comes from. John 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus sent out the disciples to minister in the community, and they came back, and the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. In John fifteen sixteen, Jesus said, Jesus said, I chose you, And appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. So, who do we pray to? We pray to the Father. In the name of who? In the name of Jesus. Okay, you've got it. Now, let's move to the next section. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed. Hallowed. That's not a word that we use a lot today in our culture, in our language, in English. And so, in our world today, about the only time we use hallowed or hallow is what? Something that happened this week on Thursday. Halloween. Exactly. Where does the word Halloween come from? It is a derivative, it's a shortened version, it's a a distortion, if you will, of what is called All Hallows Eve. Halloween is All Hallows' Eve, which was the, the night before All Saints' Day, November 1st, a day uh, dedicated to worship, to honor the saints who lived holy lives. And so, Jesus says, you begin your prayer, Hallowing the name of the Lord. In other words, here's what that means. Number two, we begin our prayers with worship. That's the reason we don't just come walking into church, open up our Bibles, teach, and then turn around and go home. There's a reason that we do all the, all the, the music with the biblical words and the, and the times of worship and praise, and, and, and there's a reason that we offer the prayers that we do and, and, and the stuff that we do following the pattern of Jesus. And here's why. Because worship is not just for God. It is for God. Don't, don't make any mistake. Worship is not designed to stroke our preferences or make us feel good. Worship is for God, but it does something powerful in us. There's something in us that begins to shift when we worship, when we get our mind and thoughts off of the things of this world and all of the problems and confusion and the lies of this world, and we get our hearts and our minds focused on the Lord, and we begin to lift up his name, we begin to declare his praise, we begin to speak of his attributes, we begin to sing of his holiness and his righteousness, of his power and his goodness. And some people say, but, but when I pray, like it's easy in church when, when the words are up on the screen, right? But, but it's hard for me when I pray to hallow the name of the Lord because I don't know what to say. Well, there's your first assignment then. You need to get in the Bible and figure out who God is and what he's about, what he's like. And so I would recommend start in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, because if you can see who Jesus is, you get a picture of the Father the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all wrapped up in one. Jesus said he's the full revelation. And so so I would encourage you to start in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the four Gospels and begin to learn who God is. Because if your wife, listen to me, any of you who are married, if your wife comes to you and says, Honey, would you just spend a few minutes to tell me what you like about me? And your response is, Well, I don't know what to say. (laughs) That is not a good sign for your relationship, (laughs) right? That is a sign that you need to spend some time getting to know her, to learn more about her if you don't know what to say. And so the same is true with God. Begin your prayer with a time of worship. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And then the next part is so important. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let me sum that up for you. Prayer's purpose is for God's will to be done in our lives and in this world. And that was the mission of Jesus, and it is our mission as well. See, that's what we, that's what we pray. When we pray, we are inviting God to bring the beauty of heaven down into the ugliness Of our world. And so, as Jesus all throughout Matthew chapter 6 teaches on prayer, uh, look at what he says in a similar teaching about the kingdom in Luke 17. He talks about how the kingdom of God comes. Luke 17, verse 20 once having been asked by the pharisees when the kingdom of god would come jesus replied the kingdom of god does not come with your careful observation nor will people say oh here it is or there it is because the kingdom of god is where within you do you know where the kingdom of god starts see sometimes we get this confused. Sometimes people think the kingdom of God starts when we go out there and begin to try to change governmental and political structures. Some people think the kingdom of God starts when we begin to to go out and tackle problems and injustice and systematic injustice and the the issues in our society and i'm not saying that's bad listen to me the kingdom of god some people think it starts when we get out there and tell everybody what the bible says about about sex and and gender and and racism and and listen i'm not saying those things aren't important You need to understand, God wants to change all those things. He does. And when you surrender to the kingdom of God and ask His will to be done in your life, He will begin to change and rearrange all those things in your world and then help you go out to be an influence for change. But listen, listen. God says the place where the kingdom of God actually starts, though, first, is not by you first going out there to change things. It's when you first stop and say, God, would you first come? come in here and change things because because listen god's kingdom is manifest in this world one life at a time as messed up people sin, sinful stubborn people like you and me humble ourselves before god and say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done in my life and in this world. And so listen, prayer. prayer is not asking God for your will to be done, it's asking his will to be done. Prayer is not shaping God into your image. Prayer is allowing him to to shape you into his image. And here's what's amazing. Once you start praying like that, once you start praying for his kingdom to come, his will to be done, for your thinking to start lining up with the values and purposes of heaven, once you start to do that, then you will begin to see other things start to come into line in your life. In fact, that's what Jesus says right after the Lord's Prayer. A few verses later, in Matthew 6, 31, Jesus says, So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans, people who don't believe in God, run after all those things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need Him, need them, but seek first His kingdom, and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So... Three things we've covered so far. Number one, we pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. And then we saw how to hallow, how to worship and praise his name at the beginning of our prayers, of our time with him. And then to begin to ask his kingdom to come, his will to be done, to get my thinking in line with the purposes and values of heaven. And then... Now, finally, we get to the stuff that we tend to rush into, which is prayer requests. We tend to start with prayer requests. (laughs) But after we've done all that stuff to get ourselves focused in and tuned in to his purposes, to his spirit, to his voice, then Jesus touches on three prayer requests. Number one, give us this day our daily bread, which is Asking God to meet your daily needs. Uh, This is something that my my wife keeps teaching me uh, because she is so much better at this. Uh, She'll always say, when you need something, don't just wish for it, pray about it. Tracy and I have friends uh, who... uh, are, they, they had a long, long career in serving in international ministry. They lived in China uh, for a number of years. Uh, but we had the opportunity to serve together with them in our church. Uh, and uh, they had a ministry to college students at the local university. And in particular, they, they ministered with uh, Muslim wives... Who would come here as their husbands who study in graduate programs and and get you know engineering jobs and all these kinds of things and 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 people who had moved here from China and far East cultures where a lot of times they needed help figuring out how to shop for groceries and how to get started at the bank and and you know do all the stuff and getting a driver's license and 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 so part of their ministry was tammy would fill their tiny little car up with women. Like a, I mean, it was like a clown car. They're climbing in and, and hanging out the window. I mean, not literally, but, but you know, I mean, she is trying to, to take all these people around town to do all of these things in ministry. And my wife, Tracy, saw that and she said, oh, no, 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 no. This will not do. <laughs> we need to start praying. And Tracy got other people to start praying and asking that God would give Brian and Tammy a van for their ministry. And right around that time, General Motors was doing a special promotion where if you would go into the dealership and push the OnStar button, they were giving away vehicles. All you had to do was go in, put your name on a list so that you didn't do it like 20 times, right? Like you could only do it once. But everybody who would go in, you could put your name on the list and then go in, sit in the car, push the on star button. And it tells you, you have won a car or you did not win a car. And it's a, So Tracy's just got that in her heart and in her spirit. I think God is going to give Brian and Tammy a van a General Motors van for their ministry, and she began praying. And, and all the time, she'd like Brian and Tammy. Did you go into the dealership yet? Have you pushed the button yet? And they're like we haven't done it yet. You've got to go. I've been praying that God will give you a General Motors van. And so, we all went to the dealership to push the OnStar button. She had tons of people going to push the OnStar button, and it was so exciting. I can't wait to tell you this. Oh, it was awesome. You will never believe what happened. We went into the dealership and we we sat down in the car and we pressed the OnStar button and it said, you did not win a car. (laughs) And person after person in our church did that and nobody won the van for Brian and Tammy. And we were so disappointed. But Tracy kept on praying that God would give them a van for their ministry. And the General Motors promotion ended. Everybody had pushed the OnStar button, and they didn't win a van. And so the next month after that promotion had ended, they were down in Florida visiting at a church, and they had the opportunity to share a bit about their ministry. And afterwards, a man came up and introduced himself. He was a brand-new Christian new to the church, and as they began to talk, he said, I'm new to all this stuff, but I feel like God spoke to me. He said, and I feel like God is telling me to give you my van. <laughs> and you wanna to, want to know the cool part? It was a Ford. No, 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 it was a General Motors van. <laughs> It was a General Motors van. Isn't that amazing? And so they packed that thing full of students, full of adults, full of parents, full of kids, and every Sunday they would come and bring those international students to church and take them around town. And, and, and we pray, Lord, Lord, Give us our daily bread, listen, not just to fill our own tummies, not just to make us happy, but to equip us to become effective missionaries, missionaries for his kingdom in this world. Number two. It's a good story, right? It's a good story. You might as well clap. It's the best story I've got today. Okay. Next, Jesus prayed, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So the second prayer request has to do with confession and forgiveness. And notice there are two parts to this prayer request. Confess your sin and forgive others. That is two directional. First, it's asking, Lord, is there anything in me that is out of line with you, out of line with your purposes, with your kingdom? Is there any sin in me, anything that is displeasing to you, Lord? Reveal it to me. I confess my sin. Forgive me, Lord. And then, so first, forgiveness with him, and then, the harder part, I have to forgive others. Lord, is there anyone right now in my life who I am still upset with because of what they did, and I have not yet forgiven them. I I, I heard a, a podcast this week. To tell you the truth, I don't even remember what it was. But I remember there was a quote that stood out to me. The podcast, as I recall, was about the new spirituality as people have kind of you know, tried to say, well, just like everything else in our individualistic culture, I can customize Facebook, I can customize Instagram, I can customize my order at McDonald's, I should be able to customize my religion and, you know, just take a little piece from here and a little piece from there and all over the place and talking about New Age spirituality and, and witchcraft and that people are, are not only just turning to no religion but actually anti-religion, like literally things that are against the ways of God in, 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 in highly spiritual ways. And, and they, they, they talked about making curses. And how many young people today are learning how to put curses on other people? And a lady talked about all the study that she had done in learning how to curse this person who had hurt her in a horrible way. It was horrible what the person had done to her. And she said, and nobody should ever begrudge me of cursing that person for the evil that they've done. I want to, want to tell you something. That is a trick. That is a deception from Satan that when we curse others, the curse comes right back on us. When we don't forgive others, it comes right back on us. Jesus said in this very same passage... In Matthew chapter 6, right after the Lord's Prayer, he says, For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now, don't get me wrong. This doesn't mean you're going to become buddy-buddy with the person who hurt you. It does not mean that all of a sudden they're going to say, Oh, I'm so sorry, and everything's going to be great, and you're going to go out and have pumpkin pie and coffee and become best friends. It's not what it means but it does mean you have to forgive whether they apologize or not. Because listen, forgiveness is not about whether the person deserves it. Listen, if they hadn't done anything wrong, you wouldn't have to forgive them in the first place. Literally forgiving them is saying they did something wrong. Forgiveness is not about whether what they did. Listen, forgiveness is about your freedom. It's about your healing. And I guarantee that holding a grudge and not forgiving will ruin your life and steal your joy. It won't hurt the person. Satan makes you think it'll hurt the other person when you don't forgive them. It doesn't. The only person it hurts is you. And Jesus says if you don't forgive those who hurt you, it will make your prayers powerless and ineffective. And so in the Lord's prayer, we ask, Father, is there anything in me that I need to confess? And is there anyone who I need to forgive? Third prayer request, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Number three, ask God to break the power of deception. Because after all, what is temptation? What is evil? It's nothing more than a lie. It's a a trick. That's all temptation is. That what Satan does, he tries to convince us that something will make you happy that in fact will make you miserable. That he tries to convince you that something is harmless that in fact is deadly. And I'm going to give you the best possible illustration, and Tracy hates it when I say this, but here it is. She knows what's coming. I didn't tell her I was going to say this. Now I've really got your attention. She hates when I use this illustration temptation and the lies of the enemy and the ways of the world. Here's what it is. Candy-coated poop. I want you to think of an M&M. M&M. But instead of a peanut. That's a horrible, ugly, nasty, yucky illustration. Why? Because it's true. That sin... Always tastes good at first, but it's the aftertaste that gets you. It's true. And so in our prayers, we ask God, give us eyes to see past the candy coating, to see the truth of what Satan's lies are really about. And then really quickly, so we can finish up, finally we get to the conclusion, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And so we conclude with a declaration of God's power because all of this is about God's kingdom, it's not about our kingdom. It's all about his power. It's not about how strong I am. It's how strong he is. It's not about my glory. It's all for his glory, for his righteousness in our lives and in this world. And so our prayers become saturated with this declaration of faith Lord, I believe that you are more than enough for everything that I need. And then at the end of the prayer, we say, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's try it again. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, what does that word mean, amen? That comes from the Hebrew. It literally is a Hebrew word in its origin, and it means, let it be so, Let it be so. In Hebrew, it's about agreement with something. I believe that what has been said is true. And that's why in church, all the time, people will say, amen. It's a statement of an agreement. I'm with you. I believe that it's true. I stand upon that promise. And so everybody together, let's say it. Are you ready? Here we go. One, two, three. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. And so what we're going to do is we're going to go we're going to go through this prayer line by line all five or six of those elements that I've taught you today. And listen, this was not just a message for you to walk away and go, "Oh, that was a great teaching and forget it." If you do not go home and open up your Bible to Matthew chapter 6 and begin to apply this to your prayer life, then I have failed. My purpose here was not just to teach you, it was to inspire you, to encourage you how to pray. And so I'm going to read a line of the Lord's Prayer where it says leader, and then as the people, you loudly and strongly declare the prayer that follows. Our Father who is in heaven, you are far above us, yet you love us. Hallowed be your name. Help us to realize just how awesome you are. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. May the world and we, as your children, submit to you. Have your way in our lives. Give us this day our daily bread. For you are the source of everything that we need. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. We confess our sins and receive your forgiveness. Today we forgive those who have hurt us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Free us from the lies of this world. Give us strength as we commit ourselves to purity. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Almighty to God, we declare our faith in you. You are sufficient for all that we need. In Jesus' name, amen. We say yes to your plan for our lives your church, and this world. And so, Heavenly Father, I thank you for every person that you brought here into this room today. You brought them here for a plan and a purpose. And Lord, I pray today that your people would be equipped to become prayer warriors. Lord, I pray that every small group would be able to press through the awkwardness and the discomfort of praying together as a group. And that, Lord, you would equip your people that all of a sudden the Holy Spirit would begin to equip and empower our prayers. As we know that Jesus says as we come to the Father that Jesus right now is at the right hand of your throne, Father, interceding on our behalf that our prayers don't have to be perfect, but they do have to come with a heart of passion. And so, Lord, in this season in our lives, Lord, we pray that our prayers would begin to change things, that things would begin to shift in the heavenlies as, as, as your, your, your heavens open up and is released into this world. That we would begin to see things as you see them. To see your purposes. To see your plans. To see you for who you are. And that it would begin to change us in our times of prayer. That you would speak to us. That that you would change our minds about some things. And that we would begin to see answers to our prayers. We thank you for miracles. We thank you for healings. We thank you for provision. We thank you for the things that we have seen over and over and over again in our lives and in this church. But God, we pray for a new season where fruit starts to ripen and on the vine, and and multiplication happens in our lives, and we step out in faith to do things that we've never done before, empowered by your Spirit through prayer. And Lord, we pray that for every church across our city and this region. Lord, thank you for the prayer conference this weekend with teaching on prayer. We thank you for this weekend coming up with the Believability Conference here at the church, and and what you're going to do in churches all across Atlantic Canada. Lord, we sense a revival beginning here, but don't let us stop here. Lord, we know that you are stirring in other places. We're hearing stories of what you're doing in Halifax, and, and in St. John, and in and Yarmouth, and, and Fredericton, and Prince Edward Island, and, and Newfoundland, and even Grand Manan. You've not forgotten Grand Manan. Lord, we thank you for that. And Lord, we pray that as we become better prayers, that things would begin to stir and shift in our lives for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name. Who are we praying to? The Father. In the name of Jesus. And everybody say, amen. Amen. We have our prayer team here. If you would like someone to pray with you, today. We're always here for you. Next Sunday is going to be so good. I hope you won't miss it. Remember, you can share all of our services online as well. And all of you who are with us online, thank you so much for joining us. But as we get ready, here we go. This is our mission. This is our calling. Everybody together. It is God's love in us to the world. Why? Oh, do that one more time. Why? Why? change to. Thank you so much for being here. We love you guys. Go in the peace of God.